How does appreciation feel to you? A rising rush of warmth? A building wave of confidence? At Reward Gateway Edenred, we know appreciation appreciates in value. Starting with people, radiating through companies to transform their performance and productivity. Capture the power of appreciation with our total employee experience platform. Income tax, sales tax, council tax, car tax, capital gains tax, inheritance tax. There is just so much tax. So obviously it needs simplifying, but you know, that would be like my daughter tidying her bedroom. It's gone way beyond any states that normality can be resumed. But if you were to redesign the tax system, what would be your objectives? To raise revenue? Nope. To ensure a more equal society? Perhaps we'll look at the role of tax in levelling up the economy today on the Debunking Economics Podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. So, Steve, we talked recently about how to level up the UK economy, which is something that Boris Johnson has promised that he's going to do. Uh, how is he going to achieve that? We talked about that on the podcast. And one comment on that podcast was that we didn't talk about tax, which is a, a fair point. And yet the, the whole point of tax, as you know, is uh, not to bring in revenue for the government because they can create that money through their own central banks. It's really to ensure exactly what we were talking about, that the distribution of income is equitable. How did we avoid Missing that. But look, um, Jeremy Corbyn said when he hoped uh, to be prime minister in the UK that there would be no billionaires in the UK. So that's the opposite of levelling up. He basically just wanted to chop off the uh, the incomes at the top. But billionaires, of course, can run businesses that make lots of money and employ lots of people. So that's probably not the right approach, is it? Well, it's a combination of the two approaches. And this is what um, I, you know, I I've, um, have designed Minsky my software package to cover in the first place because the basic attitude that most people have to taxation is encapsulated in the phrase, it's taxpayers' money. In other words, the government mm. is spending money that it gets from taxpayers and, um, it's, and, and that puts an emphasis not just on, on the fairness, which, of course, is where we're talking about the, the, the complete failure of the system to be fair right now. The burden falls far too massively on the poor and the middle class and far not enough on the wealthy. Um, but it is also the argument, well, the government's taking money out of the hands of the private sector. Um, it, it's everything, everything is seen in terms of the government taking. And, mm. um, and, and well, that's, is, because of the, that's yeah. because of the belief, and we can, we can touch on this very briefly, but we've covered it so mm. many times, the belief that uh, the government has to get the money in to be able to spend it. Yeah. And in fact, as government, and because it, it is the government, it has the capacity to spend it in its own right. Now, I've actually did a bit of a, um, I haven't had a chance to put up a proper uh, video of this, but I did a conference with the Fields Institute on this just last week about the whole issue of, of, of taxation and, and government spending. And when you put it down to the absolutely simplest level, the thing that the government does is enable the non-government sector to be in positive equity. And this, that might sound like a weird way to start a statement about, uh, about the role of taxation. But 
if you had a pure credit economy, if you had an economy in which there were no government whatsoever, the sort of fostering and wet dream, um, and, you, and, you, and of course you had to have banks in that because whether Austrians want banks in their wet dreams or not, banks are an essential part of, of capitalism. And banks to operate as banks must have mm. positive equity. Now, if they have positive equity, by definition, the non-banking sector isn't precisely as much negative equity. In other words, the, the whole idea of a fantasy of a pure credit economy um, leaves that was, if, it, if it did yeah. exist the private the private non-bank sector would be in negative equity that's a given okay mm. and and that's the point that the austrian uh, you know free market fanboys don't include in their logic because they um if, if fact of you have a, a vision of money as a commodity and money is gold and stuff like that and therefore we can all go and find a gold mine we can all go and dig up gold and we can all increase our hold, holdings of gold simultaneously so what they want is a world where, where they not only abolish governments but abolish banks as well which of course um is not at all capitalist it's 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 a, you know the, another intellectual fantasy. So I want to start from the real, real world and say, if we did have a pure credit economy, if there was no government, then by definition the banking sector has to be in positive equity. Therefore, the non-banking sector must be in negative equity. Right. So, negative, so the only so yeah, way you get yeah. around that actually is to have the government, and the government is mm. creating the money uh, to create yeah. that positive equity. Yeah, and it does that by spending more than it gets back in taxation, which is quite capable of doing mm. uh, when, within, within the constraints of a national economy uh, because it produces the money that's used in that national economy. So there's no problem about the government. The government doesn't need to tax in order to spend. In fact, it needs to spend to give us the money that enables commerce to occur uh, in, a, in a conventional fashion and that also discourages us from getting caught up in asset bubbles, which is what we do no. when we have a pure credit economy because we try to get ourselves into positive net equity. How do we do that? We buy shares who we think whose prices are rising. We, we, we value the share at the price they're currently selling for times the entire outstanding stock of shares, which is an impossible calculation. Uh, it could never, it can't be fulfilled, but it fools us all into believing we have positive equity. So is that so the, so that, is that the yeah. only reason that we have tax then? In, I mean, obviously, for most people, it's the idea that we're, we're creating money for the government. But, but, it, but in your mind, the only reason we've got, we've got tax is to try and stop people spending badly, seems to be what you're saying, putting it into Not assets. spending badly. Not just spending badly, but take the money out of the circulation uh, because the government these days is too big uh, to simply pump the money in and leave it there. If I had a, a chance to design an ideal monetary system, I'd design a form of money which depreciates over time, mm. which is the idea that Gazelle had back in the 1920s and 30s, and, and Keynes was a, a great fan of that concept. We don't have just, uh, depreciating money. We have money that uh, maintains its nominal value indefinitely. And therefore, when you when the government was, if you go back to the size of the government back in the 19th century, most governments were the order of five or ten percent of GDP, and that amount of, of spending, uh, it didn't really matter um, that, that they might finance all that spending just by you know, printing notes, so to speak. Um, but and then the taxation burden didn't fall on the middle class because income tax. I don't think income tax was introduced until the first until the Second World War. Um, and if you if you look at the people think well they had to bring in taxes to finance the war, not really. You had to bring in taxes to, to take the money out of circulation because at that scale the government deficit was into the GDP. For example, of the of the, of the UK in 1940 was 40 percent of GDP. Now when you're pumping that much money into the economy, 
uh, even you know, even when it gives you a full employment economy as it did during the Second World War after the Great Depression, that amount of money will just that's that's where the upward pressure on prices is going to come from. Right. That's where pressure for imports is going to yeah. come from. Yeah. So you do want to take the money out to stop it causing those overheating factors in the economy. Right. So there's there's another reason for it. Then it's 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 the one tool you've got to control inflation. In fact, po- po- you know, more effective than anything central banks are trying to do. One, one of the tools. I mean, the other thing, like you know, uh, having uh, the idea of the prices and incomes the court Australia had back in the days of the Hawke-Keating Labor government, even though it was bastardised by the mainstream economists and Treasury, and I have personal, first-hand experience of them doing that, so I'm quite happy to use the term bastardising. Um, but if, even that was another way to try to control the rate of inflation by co- uh, controlling the Level level of wages and the rate and the and the markup on costs. Those are other aspects that you can you control the inflation rate with. But the real problem about taxation as it is now is that when we brought in income tax and we have broad based income taxes as well, uh, it's very very difficult for a worker to disguise their income. Uh, in fact, it's basically impossible for them to disguise their income. So they end up paying their full income tax burden. But if you're a, a, a wealthy individual and you can locate your business offshore, which is even better, mm. and you have other governments taking advantage of that, then you end up paying no tax whatsoever. And what happens is you accumulate the dollars the government's trying to take out of circulation. And rather than getting inflation as a result of it, you get a concentration of wealth and economic power, which is what we have now. Yeah, so, uh, uh, which of course is one thing that tax is trying to tackle. It works at the other end as well, of course, the very bottom, you get cash in hand jobs. But I mean, the uh, the, the, the amount of money that's spent uh, on cash in hand jobs is small, obviously, compared to the amount of money that's <coughs> siphoned off to offshore accounts by the, by the top earners. But look, figures from the Institute of Fiscal Studies, which is hardly a socialist organisation, uh, mm. reckons that by the time you factored in income tax, VAT, council tax and all the rest, the top 50% of households in terms of income pay 78% of taxes, 50% paying 78% of taxes. That doesn't actually sound uh, that progressive, does it, really? I mean, you'd, you'd expect that. I mean, we, we often hear the quote that they are paying the, the, the overwhelming majority of, of, of income tax. But then in the UK, and I think it's the, the same everywhere else, we've had all these other taxes that have been introduced to, to almost level that out, VAT, of course, and sales tax, being being one of those, so so, so that mm. that concentration has been washed away quite a bit over the last couple of decades. It has, but you can you can understand part of the motivation of why it happened as well too, because I do remember uh, back in the, the in the late sixties, early seventies, uh, the top marginal rate of taxation in the UK actually topped that at about ninety nine percent. So for every extra yeah. extra dollar that the Beatles got from selling uh, the White Album, ninety nine pence of it went to the government rather than to the Beatles. And that was a, a major encouragement to say, why don't you move your operations offshore and dodge taxes? So there is obviously an optimum level for income tax, but there's many more taxes as well. And we discuss them all in the full version of this podcast, including some sort of slightly out there ideas about maybe how the tax system should work. To hear it in full, you need to become a supporter of Steve Keen on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash prof Steve Keen, or you can subscribe at debunkingeconomics.com. I'm Phil Dobby. He's Steve Keen. We're back again next week with another one. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.